This is the Strong Manchester Women podcast with me, your host, Vic Elizabeth Turnbull. And in this series, I speak to the change makers, activists, leaders, and trailblazers who make our city and beyond a better place to live, work, and play. Now, before we get cracking, this episode comes with a trigger warning. We discuss some sensitive issues, including suicide. So if you feel that this episode could affect your mental health, then please do skip it. And in this episode, you'll hear from... My name is Bernie Wood. And we talk about running a unique and busy day centre. Parents coming here. Falling here, shivering masses of humanity, and we go out some flowers because we do everything. Life with a disabled child. Parent carers give up their whole life. They don't start caring when they're 50 and 60. And looking on the bright side of life. We have a laugh like that, and we do need to laugh. Just to realise there's life after disability. I'm in North Manchester, I'm at Talbot House an incredible centre that Bernie helps to run and I sit down with her in their recreation room. I am a Mancunian. I was born in Manchester. I have five children and the youngest one happens to have Down syndrome and that's the reason actually I'm in this room in Talbot House sitting here because I'm the manager of this project. Well, it's not a project, it's a service for the parents of children and adults with severe learning disability. I'll be 80 in June, looking forward to it. Not looking forward to getting any older, no way, but looking forward to celebrating that I've reached 80 and that I'm okay. Well, I've been around 80 years almost, haven't I? So I've seen a lot of people come and a lot of people go. So yeah, when you see a lot of people younger than yourself not reaching old age, and especially to be still working at 80, That's fantastic. Yeah. Is retirement on the horizon? No. I'll die here and standing up. My kids say that. She'll die standing up here. (laughs) My respite here, being with the family, it's like, you know, and helping them out. When I go home, it's like my family. And that's what we all do. We come here, do what we can for others, then go home and see to our own. This is an amazing service. There's not another one like it. Not only in the Manchester, in the country, there's not another service like Talbot House. We've been established over 40 years this year, and it's user-led, run by parents, for parents. All the pe- people who work here, all my staff, are parents of sons and daughters with severe learning disability, and all the volunteers, same. We could have an added physical disability, but the criteria for support here is severe learning disability. We have a motto, get mum and dad said okay and the kids will be okay. Simple. Like you're saying, you've been involved for 40 years. Mm-hmm. You were involved before you was even called Talbot House. Yes. It was called the Peter Pan Centre long time ago. It started when four parents looking for a place, get money for a place scheme from the council. They had kids with severe disabilities, no walking, no talking, double incontinent, the whole picture. So they started running a, a play scheme because the kids went to a special school and in them days, they picked them up at 11 o'clock in the morning, brought them back at 2 o'clock because they said our kids was, could not be educated in any shape or form. So asking for money for a play scheme, council said, why, what can they do? 
However, one good counsellor gave him a couple of hundred quid. With the kids going to a special school, you don't get a chance to meet other parents. So there's no coffee after school at the school gates. Pretty isolated. So these parents got the play scheme going. They did it in their own home. That was in 1976. And they got this small grant and they were going to parks and stuff like that. But what they found was while they were together, they were saying, where'd you get that wheelchair? Where'd you get that? What's that benefit? What's that? And they found that the most important thing was their share. How they were, how they felt, how they could get on with their lives and consequently help the rest of their families and in particular their disabled son or daughter. So they did that and then they got premises and they got the old rectory that was in Nancoats and they called it the Peter Pan Centre. Now then was the days when we thought our kids didn't grow up. Well, they don't, but we lived with that myth. It was kind of nice. And in 1978, my son was born. Now, Jeffrey was the youngest of five. So when the others were born, it was, you've got a boy, you've got a girl, you've got twins, congratulations. Jeffrey was born and it went, <gasps> and nobody said congratulations. That's going to be the name of my book. No congratulations. I knew nothing about Down syndrome. It was called Mongol then. Mongol idiots, it was called then. Mongol retarded idiots. And the only thing I knew about that was a girl in my park when I was a child who used to knock us all off the swing. And I thought, have I got one of them? I didn't think child. I didn't think person. I thought, them. Have I got one of them? And I don't want one of them. I can't cope with one of them. I can't mother one of them. It all went downhill from there. I rejected him, didn't want to bring him on. However, his dad was totally different. Said, why does son? I've got some, let's go. So we came home and it was really hard times, really hard times with a lot of health problems that went with it. And so consequently, I'd reached what I call rock bottom. I had a cat net over his pram. I didn't want anybody to look at him. And I was in Boothall Hospital one day, which at the time was a children's hospital with one of my other children. And I saw this notice and a leaflet with a drawing of Peter Pan. And it said, are you the parent of a mentally handicapped child? And that's what it was called then. And is the world winning? Well, it was everything I wanted to hear. So I made my mind up to find this Peter Pan Centre. So one rainy night, and they were open two nights a week then, I set out to find it, but I had my train fare in my pocket because I wasn't going to come back if I hadn't. Times had got really bad, really bad. I didn't think I could mother this child so what kind of a failure was I I didn't even dream that I was leaving four other children behind but that's exactly what I was going to do however my god must have had his finger on my head because I did find it and then from there I went in and shared all these obscene thoughts saw all these parents laughing and joking and I thought oh they've not got my problem too much fun in here one parent, Jean Adock at the time, sadly she's died now, I shared the obscene thoughts, and they were obscene thoughts, what I was thinking about my kid. Really obscene, not what a mother should think. And she sat me down, I shared with her, and she said, oh, is that all? I thought that bleeding years ago. Well, I tell you, it was like a monkey off my back. Now, it doesn't mean to say, I did go home, obviously, but it doesn't mean to say I went home and said, oh, yeah, da, da, da. No, 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 no. 
it took time. It took a day at a time. It took an hour at a time. It took a minute at a time. From then on, I was at Manchester University doing the Portis system with him. And the pendulum swung right the other way. Wasn't it going to be the only kid with Down syndrome who went to Oxford? The whole world changed then. The kids had to change. I had to change because I focused so much on Jeffrey. But the others got left out. I didn't realise. But I've got the kind of kids who were able to tell me. And they said, excuse me, do you know we're here? I had to do something about that. And that meant letting go of Jeffrey for respite care, which I didn't want to do, but I did. So that when he was in respite care, then I devoted my time to the other children. From then on, I took over from the Peter Pan Centre. We got different premises. Sadly, three of the four ladies who started the project, that was Teresa Aykroyd, Vera Burtonshaw, Pat Evans and Jean Schofield. There's just Pat still alive. Time's moved on and now here we are in brand new premises. We've been here for nine years and this was built for us by a benefactor who really believed in the work that we do. And so I manage it and managed it for a lot of years now. Like I say, it's the only, it's unique. Parents come in here, fall in here, shivering masses of humanity and they go out some flowers because we do everything. Education, social services, Every kind of benefits, DLAs, PIPs, universal credit, housing, tribunals, one-page profiles, person-centered plans, assessments, EHC plans. We work in partnership with social services. There's nothing we don't do, nothing. So if a family comes here and they don't come back for another three years, the only thing we say is you want tea or coffee. Your life, your consequences. They come in here. Like I said, shivering masses of humanity, lonely and frustrated. So once they've found us, they can never go out that front door and say they're lonely or frustrated again because the choice is there once again. They've got the support if they need it. Whatever family wants in here today will get their need met, without a doubt. You can get a parent saying, oh, you know, I feel awful because my, my son's not as bad as his. Stop it. Stop it. If you'd had toothache and I've had my leg off with both in pain, now we have a special service now that started off with a project four years ago. The hardest thing you can ask a parent carer is, who's going to do it when you're not there? So if you ask somebody to say, oh, I don't have to look at it now, he's at school, or he's at college, oh, dear, dear, I don't have to look at it, don't have to look at it. Deny, 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 deny. Well, I keep a diary on Jeffrey, and one of my diaries I happen to read. I want to watch him thrive while I'm alive. So we put a bid in and got the money for a project for three years for a coordinating volunteers for older parent carers to make their decisions while they're alive. And it's called Thrive. It's so successful at the moment. We've got 450 older parents on it. That's without the thousand families I've got in the database anyway. But this special service now they're doing the power of attorney, they're doing the wills, they're doing the funerals, they're doing the whole lot, and they're getting relief. They're making the decisions today. Last week, one, well, a couple of weeks ago, one of our elderly parents died, and her adult daughter with severe learning disability slept with her, and she woke up and her mum was dead at the side of her. She didn't know her mum was dead, so she used to help her mum, and she carried on changing her mum, changing her clothes on the dead body. So who did they ring? They rang us waiting for the doctor to come and do the death certificate. So we went round and sat with the daughter and with the dead body. And from then on, sorted all the needs out of that young woman. 
because she had an account with a mum in the name. So once mum had died, all the benefits stopped, all everything stopped. So where was that young woman going to go? She had a great social worker and with the church where the young lady goes. We've all worked in partnership and she's okay. She's grieving okay. It's like you say, it's such a unique service. What an incredible service that Talbot House provides. I'm interested to hear from Bernie what it's like to work here, especially through all those challenging situations that they find themselves in on an ongoing daily basis. I want them to come in here, respect me, be on time, don't pull a sickie when you're not sick, and the job's yours. I don't stand over them. I get 150% out of my staff. I don't have to say, what are you doing, are you doing, like that. They do it. I appreciate them and I'll show it. So they've got a good manager. I've got one worker here who's a trained social worker. She'll be out there earning double the money she's on here. She said she's torn a CV up. She loves it here. So I'm really lucky there. You know, I've got great workers. Oh, they're amazing. Strong women, you need to spend a day here. And you see strong women, all right, working with a disabled kid. Strong women, I've got them coming at me with bloody ears around here. Sounds like an inspiring place to come and work every day. Oh, it is. Everybody wants to work here. I mean, we'd be put on the child protection list if the herders in here the way we talk. However, I don't care. Because we joke about kids in the wheelchair say, right, you're going nowhere unless you push them. Mine is running up the bloody street at two o'clock in the morning. And they'll say, I don't want a runner. I'll have a wheelchair while I like, you know. We have a laugh like that. And we do need to laugh. Just to realise there's life after disability. And there is. But that's once they come here. They open up. We're all human, aren't we? Mm. It's not clinical and it's not. The human element's recognising that our kids are human. That's the thing. It's like the homeless people. You walk past them as though they're not human. I didn't recognise Jeffrey as a person. No way on this God's earth. He was an it. He was a thing. He was one of them. But now I say, I've got a son, Jeffrey, who happens to have Down syndrome. Or I say to the parents, right, you've got a child who happens to have one out, two arms, two legs. Person, human, who happens to have whatever. Very human and, oh, so human. But we have a laugh anyway because Jeffrey's a liar. But when he went for a diabetic eye screening and he went, and this girl was really, really nice, don't get me wrong. What's your name? Clark Kent. I said, you do know that Superman, don't you, love? Then, um, right, do you work? Yeah, I work. Oh, do you work? Yeah. Yeah, I get 10,000 quid a week. Well, I think the bell might have hit her there, but it didn't because the next question was, do you drive? I said, well, I'll tell you what, love, you've done great, but when Stevie Wonder gets a driving licence, he can have one. Right. So things like that. If you lose him, you'll find him in a, a travel agents, booking a holiday, and people are really nice nowadays, you know, they listen to him. And then I have to go in and say he's going nowhere, he's on income support, he's not married, he's taking his wife on there, like, you know. We have a lot of laughs, a lot of laughs, yeah. I'm not saying there aren't days when I could kill him. <laughs> when he's a bugger and you're doing the same thing, or it's like bloody groundhog day every day. But what people don't realise is about parent carers and funding how hard it is now you can get the funding for dementia cancer show them all that and all the stars are in on it and everything parent carer because you're going to look at me and say what does she want money for and i'll say that what parent carers do 
get up of the morning, iced them out of bed, iced them in the bath, change the shitty nappy, tube feed them, make sure everything, get them at the door for out of school, hire a day service and say, there they are already, I've done that. Before you open your eyes, I've done that. And there's going to be three of you doing that today and you're going to bring your mom and I'm going to do it all again. So if I'm doing an induction with social workers or nurses, I will say, when Jeffrey's in respite, I have a relationship with the front door. And they look at me and say, what the bloody hell does she mean? Well, I can look at the front door and say, I can go through you or not. When he's here, I can't. Some of the things that you get out of our kids that when they can't talk or anything, it's amazing what the parents get out of them. What do they know about them? Their eyebrow raises up, they might have stomachache or... The toe gets itchy at three o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, my goodness. Where would the doctors and nurses and everybody be without us? Because they can't understand our kids. They need us. They need us. The doctors will say, what's wrong? One doctor said to, me, to Jeffrey, how intense is the pain? I said, what's that word, intense? What does that mean? Parent carers give up their whole life. They don't start caring when they're 50 and 60. You start caring with the first breath. And with the first breath of our kids, 99.9, it says, income support. It says no work, no engage, no falling in love, no getting married. In some cases, yes, it does. But on the whole, no, it doesn't. Then you get the bright sparks. If I'm doing, again, an induction with whatever, training doctors, nurses, the whole picture, and then they say, yeah, we believe people with learning disabilities, we're all absolutely equal. Well, my question to that is, would you marry one? Would you marry a woman who regurgitated her food every half an hour? No, you wouldn't. So don't be telling me you're equal. Don't ever, ever, ever tell me you're equal. You're not. You're not. But what you could do is befriend and care for somebody like my son and people like him. I'll be your friend. And you know what? I am going to be a really good friend to you. So let's have the honesty out there as well. So that's the kind of things you learn as well. You learn all the time. From when you kicked all, well, helped kick all this off to now, you're still trying to fight misconceptions about people with special needs or severe learning disabilities. Are you still fighting that fight? Yes, yes. And we have come a long way. People with learning disabilities, it's great getting recognised. If you hear somebody shouting out in a weird way in the supermarket, you don't stare as much now as you used to do. Because our kids got locked away, you didn't see them. Sadly, yeah, you're still fighting. Like, you've got all the new benefit system coming out. Now, my job, as well as doing here, my job is to write to the government, which I do. And our beloved councillor, Sir Richard Lees, we have quite a good relationship. I am his favourite pen in the side. And I will write to Richard if I need help. I won't email him and I won't call. I will write to him. And I won't write to him because somebody's been up all night with bloody Tuesday. I will write to Richard Lees if I can't get over it and I can't get round it and it becomes a fact and I need this guy to help me with this fact. And help me he does. You'd be surprised how easy it is to get an appointment and sit down with your local counsellor or MP and talk through your issues, ideas, concerns. I asked Bernie if she'd recommend you putting pen to paper to instigate the change you want to see. Yeah, but face to face is better. 
But well, as you know, I've got the gift of the gab anyway. And yeah, and we will add to that, but they don't need it. We are so good. Like I've said, we get what they need. If we do need to get a counsellor in on it, we will do. But, you know, quite honestly, I mean, Andy Burnham's our patron for Thrive. But Andy knows. I don't matter him. And I don't need him. I leave him to get on with his own projects, you know what I mean? And he's working hard enough raising money for the homeless anyway. So I would like to matter him, but I won't anyway. <laughs> I absolutely love Bernie's sass. She's so passionate about what she does and strives for the right results. I think we could all be a little bit more Bernie. But as we've heard, things don't always happen smoothly. I want to know how Bernie picks herself up when times get tough. I think things have gone wrong elsewise. Uh, I had a stroke, so I picked myself up from that. Just last year, the car accident with a drunk driver had to be cut out of the car. I mean, the stick you can see at the side of me now, I didn't need a stick last year. I do need one now because my ankles just broke. And the way I got over that, and you might think, oh, I don't know when people have a big traumatic crash like that because I was in hospital six weeks and then rehabilitation or crutches and wheelchair and all that. And then a lot of people say, well, did I have all this trauma, these flashbacks and did be in counselling for years to get over it. Well, the way I got over that, and I have got over it, the way I got over that was... This young man, and he wasn't insured, by the way, was a drunk driver. At half past nine in the morning, I was going to work. But the way I've risen again from that is by praying and hoping that that was his last drink and that my crash changed his life. And if he's got kids and a family, changed their lives, that their dad won't be drunk driving anymore. And that's helped me. The way I work is getting my head okay. That's what I work on, and I only work on a daily basis. If you want to make God laugh, tell him about your plans for tomorrow. I don't even think about tomorrow. I make the most of today and enjoy today if I can. If I come in here and I'm a bit off, the, the girls, the staff, they rally round, and we all help each other, and we really have a good laugh. Over the years, I've learned how to pick myself up. I am so independent. Maybe sometimes to my own detriment. I've got a lot of faith. Got a lot of faith. Not religion. I am a Christian. I can't get around a load of stuff. I'll hand it over. I'm strong because my kids have helped me to be strong. And they're strong. All my kids are strong. Because I didn't, none of this. If I'm up, you're up. If I'm at work, you're at work. No chance. No chance my kids staying in bed. And for today, they're all okay. I love that you've one of your things is big things is about looking after yourself, looking after your own head. People that are leading a fantastic organisation forget to look after themselves. Yeah, they do. A big mistake. Big mistake. Because if you don't, you can't you can't do it with your, your heart properly. You can't feel it. You can't have the passion and the commitment if you're not feeling good about yourself. Now, recently, here's another example. I've been to the doctors and they said, she said, you've got to have two new knees. Not one, two. Forget it. Forget it. There's no way I'm spending a lot of time in hospital, a lot of time rehabilitating, a lot of time thinking it might go wrong. So I thought, right, not having it. 
one of my daughters who lives here. I've got two living in America. One lives in Australia. One lives here. So I said to our Lou, right, got our two new knees and we're having them loose. She said, right, let's do some research, mum, to help you then. So instead of me coming in and saying, oh, my God, I've got to have two knees. What am I going to do about it? You know, so I'm like, right, what am I going to do about it? I'm going to find a bloody reason to help me. The biggest thing I'm going to do is lose weight. So that will give some relief on my knees. So that's the first goal, losing weight. I didn't get none. All right. Good. How do you look after yourself? I look after myself by eating okay and sleeping okay. Two things, right? I have my smoothie every morning. I have vegetables and blueberries and all that in my Nutri-Blaster. That's three glasses of that first thing of the morning. I only drink water all day. I never drink tea. I will have one coffee a day. But I like water anyway. And I'll eat healthy anyway. I have a failing for chocolate. Easter was a mortal sin. I gave nothing up, especially chocolate. <laughs> but other than that, I am going to do it. Because my knees are going to get relief from weight. Absolutely. I love this. It's like the, it's the, like the Bernie, Bernie way of life. You can bottle it. <laughs> <laughs> it's bloody paid off. Look at you, you're fantastic. I'm going to talk about stuff that happened pre-Jeffrey. What were you doing? Were you, were Having you... a great time. <laughs> <laughs> I was a secretary. That was my job before I had the kids and stuff like that. But when I had the kids, I just did anything, part-time stuff. And the mother bit, that's great. I'm, I'm geared to that, to being a mother. My kids gave me a surprise party when I was 60, and I was just looking at the speech that they did. I had a copy of it in the office. It's really good because my eldest daughter said, we all talked about mum last night and said, what we're going to say in this speech tomorrow? And she said, well, when people say what's Bernie Wood about, she said, we're just going to say, her kids. Bernie's not only revered and celebrated by her children, she's also received lots of accolades for her work. I'm really interested to hear what Bernie thinks of these awards. Like, for example, getting the Strong Manchester Women accolade. I've got to be perfectly honest with you, right? We've been to Buckingham Palace, done it all. In this centre now, in the hall, there's a cabinet full of awards for Bernie Wood, and not one bloody penny went with it. The only reason I accept anything that they do in the way of Strong Women Awards or whatever is for one reason only, to create awareness for parent carers, no other reason at all. They are amazing. They are the most wonderful people on this God's earth. So when we see parents reach and we have we've stopped suicides we know these parents who can say i don't know i'm popping my clogs and i'm taking him with me right and they do it and that's the way i looked at it because they do they reach i don't know how on a daily basis they they get through their lives with all the problems that come you think about it i mean people with physical handicap are really helpful to us because you can speak up so I could say to somebody who's got a physical handicap in a wheelchair, what's it like in that wheelchair? Because my daughter is in one and she can't tell me. So, you know, you can get really good help from that. These are good lessons to learn. Because with our kids, they've got no verbal communication and they're screaming. What do you do? You have to go from the top. Have they got headache, earache, bum ache, periods? What's causing this pain? Because this kid can't tell you. 
So parents, they have just got a multitude of stuff to do on a daily basis. But to look at them, and when they come in here, you wouldn't think it. Now, here in Talbot House, as well as doing all the statutory stuff, everything the parents get here is free. No charge for anything. We have a pamper service, an health service, carers' lunches, weekends away, right? And they get all that free. Now, I know if there's a parent that's having her nails done, she's not thinking about the kid. So Talbot House, for that minute, for that time, has relieved that caring. So that's the name of the game here with Talbot House. So with all those awards you've got, I'll have a look when I go out, those awards you've got in the cupboard and this, yeah. and what's been your biggest achievement? Buying the frock to go to Buckingham Palace. <laughs> 600 quid for a frock. <laughs> Do you believe it? <laughs> biggest achievement. No, it's in a wrapped up in it. Um, <laughs> but it was well worth it. The biggest achievement is still being here. That's it, in a nutshell. Today is my biggest achievement. Getting out of bed, seeing to my lad, seeing him to the day of service, coming here and being available for all my staff and volunteers. That's it. Has Manchester helped? Could you see yourself being anywhere else? No. And I'm always proud to say I was born within the bells of the town hall. <laughs> you know, like they say in London, born and bred in Manchester, right? Rough times. My mum and, and my, my family, right, really, really poor. But opportunities came along, uh, and I believe Manchester brought those opportunities. And people were strong in Manchester. If you look at our history, it's amazing. Rising up from, it was a place called Angel Meadow. It was the poorest place on earth. Place where kids were shoved up chimneys and the work. My mum was in the workhouse when she was only five years of age. So I came from a Mancunian born family that was strong. My mum was like, she was only little, but so was the atom bomb. Amazing woman. And my brothers and sisters had gone on to make good lives for themselves through Manchester's opportunities. It's a great city, Manchester. I actually don't want this interview to end. I could talk to Bernie for another hour, but we're both incredibly busy women. You've heard all about the incredible things that Talbot House does. I asked Bernie how you can get involved and support the work that they're doing here. Well, first of all, if you're the parent of a son or a daughter with severe learning disability, get down here, right? Because there isn't nothing we can't help you with. Absolutely anything we can help you with. Now, the other thing is, if you are a pet, you want to do some volunteering, it's a nice resource centre, but I need to keep it clean and painted and all that. And I need people to meet and greet parents when they come in and give them a cuppa. So if you want to get involved, there's loads of places. There's day centres, schools. Go knock on the door. Do you need a volunteer? Just do it. Just do it. Leave it on that <laughs> amazing note. <laughs> <laughs> With your slogans, I love them, Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> 
this podcast is inspired by the annual Strong Manchester Women campaign, which celebrates incredible women doing brilliant things. The 14 women profiled in this series were selected for the 2019 campaign. To find out more about all of the women featured in this podcast and the Strong Manchester Women campaign, visit the Pankhurst Trust's website, pankhursttrust.org. If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, please see the show notes for links to helpful services, including Talbot House. There's also loads more about the podcast series and a full transcript over on our website, micmedia.co.uk forward slash strong Manchester Women Podcast. Now, the love we've had so far for this series has been incredible. So if you're enjoying the series or you have your own strong women stories to tell, we'd love to hear from you. You can tweet us using the hashtag strongmcrwomen or drop us a line through the contact form on the Mike Media website. A big thanks to Manchester City Council and the Pankhurst Trust for supporting this podcast series. And a big thanks to Bernie. The Strong Manchester Women podcast is a Mike Media production and is presented, produced and edited by me, Vic Elizabeth Turnbull. The series has been made possible through the Centenary Cities Legacy Fund, 